to gather together to listen to your word. We trust you in your faithfulness that you will teach us by your spirit and that you will help us to understand what the spirit is telling us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are continuing where we stopped before the family move. Weapons of God. So important that we understand these weapons. And we say the, 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 the important thing is there is an enemy who wants to steal your blessings. He's called a thief. He wants to destroy, wants to kill. And if you do not know how to deploy God's weapons, he will eat you like lunch. Because that's what he's out to do. And we said before now that his main weapon is his deceit, his schemes, his wicked schemes to attack your mind and to introduce deceit in your heart and make you believe a lie. Now, it's important that you know these weapons and familiarize yourself with it. So today we're talking about the weapons of God, the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimonies. Revelations 12 verse 10. Then I heard a voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them day before our God day and night has been cast down and they overcame him by the blood of the lamp and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to death. Yeah, this is better. So they did not love their lives to death. So let us even start by reminding us to be sure that what you believe is the truth. If you believe a lie, you can't walk with the Holy Spirit. It's not going to walk with the lie. So just to be sure that what you believe is the truth. Is the truth. Is the truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Many things out there is not Bible. So be sure that what you believe is the truth from scriptures. You do yourself a word of good when you do that. Matthew chapter 6 verse 22 says your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. 23. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep the darkness is. If the light you think you have is not the truth, it's a terrible darkness. And it's important that we make sure that what we believe is what the scripture says and teaches. It doesn't matter if the majority is talking about it, believes that way. Just make sure that what you believe for yourself is the truth of the word of God. Now today, we have been looking at the weapons of warfare, like we said. Now many think it is weapons of men. And they are carnal. They think it's what men do. So that's why the scripture teaching that they are not carnal and they are not physical but spiritual in nature and they are God's weapon, not man's weapon. 
Some people still think it is what they do that makes the devil leave. They don't understand where the power is. The power is in the name of Jesus. They don't understand where the power is. They think it's what they do. So they shout and scream, deny themselves food, and do all manner of things that are natural. And you ask them to say, no, Jesus said, this type does not go. He said by praying and fasting. So to them, every type now is praying and fasting. Every type is praying and fasting. Every type is praying and fasting. You ask what type? They have no idea. And to them, there's no difference between the New Testament and the Old Testament. The cross does not make any meaning to them at all. What's important to them is religion. And after Jesus went to the cross, defeated the devil, took away what he sorted him, disarmed him, made a public show of him, he came and told the church that all powers in heaven and earth has been given to him. And the Holy Spirit witnessed that in the name of Jesus is vested all authority of heaven. That at that name, every knee will bow. And Jesus came to the church and said, now, in my name, you cast out demons. He didn't talk about fasting. He didn't talk about fasting. And you don't have any record in the whole of the New Testament where anybody fasted to cast out demons. Never. Not even to heal the sick. In fact, not even to get anything from God. Are we saying fasting is not good? No, it's good. But let's put it in this place. By the time we teach the next series of this, which is the last response, which is praying with our prayers, we're going to touch on this. Thing. But for now, because that's not my focus, I want to remind us that these weapons are not what you do. They are what God uses. They are what God uses. Do you know when David knew that the name of God is what God uses to fight? When he knew this, and today, many people don't even know that, don't even believe that. We saw Paul cast out demon in the name of Jesus. We saw Peter, he saw him say, hey, it's faith in the name that made this man. They have such faith in the name of Jesus. So some think it's what they do. They scream, they shout. Seven times, 14 times, 28 times. Turn to the right, turn to the left, turn to the east, turn to the west. Look at what David told Saul. He said to Saul, let me tell you what God uses. And that's why he overcame Goliath. In 1 Samuel 17, 45. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. No one, David, knew this, had this revelation. I wrote it, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. A young boy wrote it. Many people who teach so-called groups and things don't even know this. Don't even believe it. They believe in praying like Professor Ba. 
cutting themselves, doing all this kind of junk. So this young man said, But I come to you in the name of the Lord, the Lord of the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied. Fortices. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. He's talking about what the Lord will do. Because this battle is the Lord's. So the weapons of God are not your weapons. They are weapons that God uses. And I will strike you and take your head from your head. From you. And this day I will give the carcass of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth may know that there is God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword, with spear, for the battle is the Lord's. He will give you into our hands. He said, God doesn't use physical things. So we need to be familiar with the weapons with which God saves, which God delivers, and the weapons that the Holy Spirit uses. You can't arm the Holy Spirit. It doesn't need your weapon. It doesn't need your shouting and yelling. It doesn't need your denying yourself. You can't arm him. The arm of the Lord does everything for you. 1 Samuel 17, 38. This is the people who will not believe this thing. Like Saul. 1 Samuel 17, 38. So Saul clothed David with his armor. See, David told him, God doesn't use this in bed. This man is the bishop, denominational head. He's the king, also anointed. But didn't know the weapons of God. Little wonder when Goliath billowed, he ran. So he brought this thing, his armor, which men made. <laughs> he put a bronze helmet on his head, which men made. He also clothed him with a coat of mail, which men made. The arm of the flesh. David fastened the sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. David said to Saul, I cannot walk with this. I pray that I have so many Christians who can say, I can't walk with this. I can't. I don't need all these things. You can't arm God. If he works for you, would I work for Saul? Because that same thing is what the devil is So our text outlines for us what God uses. Apart from the things we studied before, the weapons of God we studied before, our text now outlines for us what God uses to deal with the devil. The works done by God, the arm of the Lord. Revelation 12, 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. That's not your blood. That's the blood of the Jesus. The blood of God. And by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. So he told us three things there. Number one is the blood of Jesus. Number two is the word of their testimony. But of course you know when he talks about the word of their testimony, he's talking about the testimony of God. 
Because the scripture said, this word shall not depart from your mouth. In the testimony of Jesus, the book of Revelation said that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. It's the word of God. We don't have any other sword of the spirit except the word of God. So this is implied here that this testimony is the testimony of Christ. It's the testimony of scripture. It's the testimony that God gives that you use. Not your own testimony. And they did not yield to fear. Like Paul said, none of these things move me. Not even threat of death. So let's start with the blood of Jesus. And I'm going to spend quite some time here. Because this is something that has been abused, misused, and just turned into incantation and all manner of stuff. God revealed to, for the first time to man that blood can protect from evil. Nobody knew this until God told them that blood can protect you. Nobody knew this. And the reason it could protect was because blood covers sin. It covers sin. Because what empowers the devil is sin. And so in Exodus 12, 12, on that night I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. And I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. When I see that blood, they don't have to see you shouting or yelling or denying yourself food. That's not what he said. I want to see that blood. When I see that blood, I'll pass over you. That's all. Nothing else is recommended to them. Just that blood. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. Me, just like today, we have plague all over the place. They go to ask how many people really believe. We shout in church, there's power in the blood. When the chiefs are down, we're fidgeting and fretting and anxious and fearful. <laughs> fearful. But God Almighty said, blood will protect you from the plague. And Moses by faith acted by faith. In, in Hebrews chapter eleven twenty eight, it was by faith Moses believed what God said. Moses didn't say maybe maybe it will not work. Let me try it. Let me see whether. No no no. The Bible said it was by faith he believed it solidly that this blood will protect us from the plague. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It, there was no doubt. There was no unbelief. There was no wavering. There was no how, how can, no, do you know how many people this thing is killing? Do, no question about that. This man believed what God said. Period. Let me ask again. 
Do you know how many Christians? How many Christians sing about the blood? Shout about the blood. If you see why we're singing about the blood and, and jumping all over the church, you think we believe all those things. Moses believed it. The Bible says it was by faith he did that. I want to remind us that the New Testament we are preaching is made possible by the blood of Jesus. Luke chapter 22 verse 20. Likewise also the cup after supper likewise also the cup after supper saying this cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. The New Testament is established through the shedding of the blood of Jesus. The, let me repeat it. The New Testament's foundation is the blood that was shed on cross of Calvary for you and me. It's based on it. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the only sacrifice that will fulfill the justice of God and judgment of God on sin. It's the only sacrifice that will fulfill divine judgment, divine justice, bring it to complete fulfillment so that God will not judge you again. The sacrifice of Jesus, the only sacrifice that can give us a clear conscience that the demand of justice on us because of our sins have been fully fulfilled and paid for in Christ Jesus. The only sacrifice. So the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the only sacrifice that can therefore make us righteous, make us acceptable to God, because the issue is sin. But Jesus, by dying on the cross, shedding his blood, took our punishment, and by shedding his blood, fulfilled divine demand of justice on the sin of mankind. And so God began to forgive us our sins. So we cannot come to God because of the blood. That's what gives us boldness and access to God. Gives us the privilege of all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Salvation, the new life, created new, which is the greatest deliverance. The new life is the greatest deliverance where God delivered man from his old nature. The Bible said, can a leper change his skin? He said, you that are accustomed to sinning, how can you change your nature? God circumcised us, took away the old nature, gave us his new nature, his own life, his new nature. That's a great deliverance from the power of sin. Deliverance from the power of demons because our sins have been taken away. What empowers Satan is sin. What disarms Satan is the blood. Let's read Hebrews chapter 10. I want you to understand the basis. When you say I plead the blood of Jesus, you must understand 
the basis for it and what it means. If you don't, you are mountain words. You can't exercise faith that Moses did. It won't work. It won't work. Hebrew 10. The old system of living under the law presented us with only a faint shadow, a crude outline of the real reality of the wonderful blessings to come. The law, the Old Testament, presented us a shadow of the reality to come, and the reality is Christ himself. Even with its steady stream of sacrifices, this is Hebrew chapter 10 from verse 1, even with each steady stream of sacrifices offered year after year, there still was nothing that could make our hearts perfect before God because the blood of animals could not wash our sins away. That's why I say this New Testament is a better covenant. It could not wash our sins away, verse 2. For if animal sacrifices could once and for all eliminate sin, they would have ceased to be offered and the worshiper would have been would have clean conscience. Instead, once was not enough. So by the repetitive sacrifices year after year, the worshippers were continuously reminded of their sin. You see, all that sacrifice of the Old Testament, after they do it, 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 it didn't take away the sin, so they have to repeat it. And everything is repeated. It reminds them that their sins have not been taken away. It's only covered. So they repeat it again every year. They repeat Why? Because the sin is still there. That's why they keep repeating it. And because they keep repeating it, it can't give the worshippers clear conscience. In verse 4, Hebrew chapter 10, verse 4. For what power... Hebrews 10 verse 4. For what power does the blood of bulls and goats have to remove sin? What power does it have to remove the sin's guilt? Doesn't. So when Jesus the Messiah came into the world, he said, Since your ultimate desire was not another animal sacrifice, you have clothed me with a body that I might offer myself instead. Multiple burnt offerings and sin offerings cannot satisfy your justice, God. Can't. So I said to you, God, I will be the one to go and do your will to fulfill all that is written of me in your word. First, he said, multiple burnt offerings and sin offerings cannot satisfy your justice, even though the law required them to be offered. Verse 9. Verse 9. Church, verse 9. Then he said, God, I will be the one to go and do your will. So by being the sacrifice that removes sin, he abolished animal sacrifices and replaces that entire system of the law and the Old Testament all with all his priesthood and all these washings and dance because he couldn't take away sin. He replaced all of that system with new covenant. By God's will, we have been purified and made holy once and for all through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus, the Messiah. That's what satisfied divine justice, demand of justice. 
That's what was able to clean us, clean our spirit that was defiled. Clean it. And once we're cleaned, we become sons of God. So it's not possible for God to walk in us, make us a new creature. His spirit now lives in us. If if we're not forgiven, there won't be salvation. None of these things will happen. So you see, all of it is based on the, the first thing first. The blood that took away our sins. So the Holy Spirit witnessed something in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 15. The Holy Spirit confirmed this to us by this scripture. For the Lord says, afterwards I will give them this covenant. I will embed my laws in their hearts and fasten my words to their thoughts. And he says, he says, what did God say? I will never again remember their sins and lawlessness. Why? The blood took it away. That's why the Bible said that God was in Christ, not counting our sins. But the church is busy counting the sins of everybody. When you come to Christ, they make you count your sin. They tell you to confess them. I mean, what does confessing them do? <laughs> I want to understand. Is he going to wash away your sin? Is he going to take it? What confessing do? What does he do? When God said, the covenant I'm offering you, your sins as iniquities, I will remember them no more. Why? My justice, my demand of justice for your sins have been met in my son. The blood that can satisfy my justice have been shed. The blood that can take away your sins have been shed. So you are reconciled. Come and be reconciled with me. If you don't accept it, you won't be reconciled with him. Verse 18, Hebrew 10, 18. So if our sins have been forgiven and forgotten, why would you ever need to offer another sacrifice for sin? Those of you who, when you sin, you start fasting. You should be reading scriptures. Your fasting will take away your sin. That's what men do. And we sing it. Walk and wash away my sin. Nothing but the blood. You think we believe it? <laughs> Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes, sin brings death. There's no doubt about it. It empowers the devil. But Jesus came and washed away our sins and disarmed the devil through that. Disarmed the devil totally through that. So the devil has lost a legal right to attack you, a legal right to afflict you because the, the demand of justice for my sin has been fulfilled by the Son of God and the blood of Jesus has washed away my sin. The covenant I have with God guarantees me. God says, your sins and iniquities I will remember no more. The Bible says, affliction shall not arise twice. After afflicting his son, God said, affliction will not arise twice. He said, then I can go and be committing sin. You are ignorant. That's when you don't commit sin. <laughs> 
That's where you don't commit sin. Because now you can come to God and God can empower you with his spirit that lives in you. Give you the ability you didn't have before. Give you the wisdom you didn't have before. Give you the understanding you didn't have before. So you see sin in its proper light. It won't attract you. Because your nature has changed. Romans 5.12. Taking time to go through this. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam sinned, brought death. So death spread to everyone. For everyone's sin. You see, Adam sinned, brought death. Empowered death. Why? The soul that's in Asia died. It empowered death. It empowered the, the devil had legal right. So if you're a Christian and you are, you, are, you are dwelling in the realm of darkness and doing the things of darkness, you are inadvertently giving the devil permission to attack you and he will he will definitely do that because you should stay in Christ your life is hidden in Christ you should stay there so uh, Romans 5.15 but there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift for the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness. His gift of forgiveness is wonderful to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's precious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. What is the result of God's precious gift? For God so loved the world that he gave us his son. So the scripture is teaching us, verse 16 again, and the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. And Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to being made right with God. Even though we are guilty of many sins, 17, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it, we live in triumph over sin. See what I'm saying? When you receive these things, you live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. You know, the Lord taught me something amazing. He said, he said to me, say, when you see a Christian that is living under sin, it's because he's not living under grace. You see, everybody that lives under grace, sin will never dominate them. Never. And that's what the scripture says here. He said, hey, see everybody living under grace that have accepted the gift of grace, believes in the gift of grace, sin will not have dominion over them who are under grace. But when you leave grace and go to law, you're on your own. Let me read it again. Romans 5, 17. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. Why? For all who receive it, we live in triumph over sin. Over sin. And death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Because now they can do all things through Christ. They live in triumph over sin. When you get outside of the grace and the gifts of Christ, sin will dominate you. 
But when you walk under the gifts of Christ, the empowerment of Jesus, the righteousness of Christ, the power of the blood, the new life he gave you, sin will have no dominion over you and devils will be under your feet. The scripture just said it. You will live in triumph over sin. Hebrew 9.15 Jesus is the is the, is the, let me read the Isaiah 53 4. Surely our sicknesses he had borne. I'm reading, I'm reading YLT translation, a Young's literal translation. Surely our sicknesses he had borne, our pains he had carried them. If you are sick in your body, listen to the word of God. Surely your sicknesses he had borne it, your pains he had carried them. And we have esteemed him. He was plagued, smitten of God, and afflicted. Verse 5. And he's pierced. Why? For our transgressions. Bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace on him. And by his bruise, there is healing for me. Some translations say by his stripes we are healed. That's what they say. That God chastised him. God afflicted him. That he was pierced. He was bruised for me and for you. For our sins. I said because he was bruised. That made him sick. Therefore sick healing has been given to us. Why sickness was given to him. But you know, he started to ask, who, who, who has believed our report? So that the arm of the Lord will be revealed. In verse 6, in verse 6, it says, All of us like sheep have wandered, each to his own way we have turned, and Jehovah has caused to meet on him. Listen to this. Jehovah has caused to meet on him the punishment of all of us. My punishment that should bear your own is on him. And it had been exalted. It has been put on him. And he had answered for us. Oh man. He answered for us. He opened not his mouth. He took it with all love for you and for me. The Bible said that because of the joy that was set before him. Because of the love he has for me. That I will be free from this thing that destroyed me. He endured the cross. His joy was to see me saved, to see me delivered, to see me walk as a child of God, to see me in the glory of God. This joy, that was the joy. He endured the cross because of me. The Bible says, verse 7, it had been exalted, he had answered, he opened not his mouth, and as a lamb to the slaughter he is brought, and the sheep before his shepherd is dumb. And he opened not his mouth. Verse 10. And Jehovah had delighted to bruise him. He had made him sick. If he so doth make an offering for guilt, he sees seed. We, the seed. He prolonged days, and the pleasure of Jehovah is in his hand had prospered. So we said in Hebrew 9:15. So Jesus is the one who has enacted a new covenant with a new relationship with God so that those who accept the invitation 
will receive the eternal inheritance. He has promised to, to his head, for he died to release us from this guilt of the violations committed under the first covenant. Verse 18, reading Hebrew 9:18, New Living Translation. That is why even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal to cover their sin. You can't have a relationship with God with sin. Blood of animals to cover their sin. 19. For after Moses had read each of God's commandments, quit their flunked anyway, to all the people, he took the blood of cows and goats along with water and sprinkled both the book of God's law and all the people using his own branches and scarlet wool. Then he said, the blood confirms the covenant God has made with you. This blood covers your sin for one year. Convert the covenant God has made with you. Which means without blood, there's no covenant really with God. Verse 21. And in the same way, he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle and everything you used for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything is purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. If Jesus didn't shed his blood, we won't have forgiveness, brethren. So the Old Testament was established on the blood of animals. Which couldn't wash away their sins. Which covered it. Every year they would repeat it. Every year they would repeat it. Every year they would repeat it. Because animal blood couldn't purify man. Man's spirit could not be purified by animal blood. Animal is animal. Verse 28. So also Christ died once. Oh, praise the Lord. Once for all time. His own is not repeated, no. Because that blood is powerful to work for eternity. Once for all times, as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, because he dealt with it once, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for it. That one single sacrifice, the blood took away my sins restored me to God, disarmed the devil, made available to me all the blessings of God and made me a child of God. And without the shedding of that blood, I will not receive forgiveness of sin. I can fast 100 years, it won't work. You can fast 100 years, it won't work. The weapon of God is what God provides. What God uses to help us is what he provides. He provided, behold, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the whole world. That's the testimony of the Son of God. Who believes this report? The result of all of this is seen in Ephesians 1 7. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his Son and forgave our sins with the blood of his son. Why? He's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased my freedom and your freedom. It was paid for. It wasn't free with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. The blood therefore redeemed us from the power of Satan and the power of sin gave us the right to eternal life the blessings of God through the new covenant established upon the blood of Jesus. Now, why am I laying all this foundation? 
Because pleading the blood of Jesus is very scriptural. Very, very scriptural. When you plead the blood of Jesus, you overcome with that blood, you are farming your faith in that blood and affirming you believe everything the blood achieved for you. Number one, you are affirming that the devil has no more legal right to me because Jesus had died in my place. His brother washed away my sins and the sin that empowered the devil has been taken away from me. He has no legal right to attack me. You plead the blood and the devil understands that. He will attack you because he believes you don't believe in these things. He believes we don't believe these things. That's why he comes to trespass. So when you are pleading the blood, you know what you are saying. He said, and listen, I plead the blood against you. This blood redeemed me from your power. God purchased my freedom from you, from you, from you, through the blood of Jesus. This blood established me in a covenant with God that for eternity, I'm in the kingdom of God. I've been delivered from your kingdom. And you don't have any legal right to attack me, devil. Number two is that the blood speaks for me, Satan. The blood is alive. The Bible says it speaks. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 28. Through faith, we, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood. Let's see that destroyed the firstborn would touch them. Now, look at Hebrews 12, 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, The blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of heaven. The scripture says we are sprinkled with that blood because he speaks on my behalf in heaven. Look at First Peter 1 2. Peter used the same word. First Peter 1 2. You are not forgotten, for you have been chosen and destined by Father God. The Holy Spirit has set you apart to be God's holy ones, obedient followers of Jesus Christ, who have been gloriously sprinkled sprinkled with his blood. I'm sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. Sprinkled with his blood. May God's delightful grace and peace cascade all over you many times over. I, I want, can you give me a new living translation or, or any of the other new living translation or new King James version, whatever. Let me read this first Peter 1, 2 again there. If you have it. Okay, New Living says, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago and his spirit has made you holy. <laughs> As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. You have accepted the gospel. The, the New Testament talks of obedience of faith. Faith is also it's obedience of the New Testament. Where you believe the word and act on it. And you have, you, have, you have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. I'm sprinkled. I'm cleansed by the blood. <laughs> sprinkled by it. 
The, Moses, the Bible says Moses sprinkled the blood, cleansed them. So he used the same metaphor for us. He said, we're also sprinkled because we're also cleansed. The Bible says at the time, the, the, under the law, Moses, almost everything is cleansed by the blood, by sprinkling. So now the Bible says, we too have been sprinkled because the blood has washed us clean too. And the blood speaks right now. Jesus is, is before God with his blood. Ministering on my behalf. The blood speaks mercy. That's why mercy will never cease for me and you. That's why if you plead the mercy of God, you overcome everything. Oh man, you plead the mercy of God. You said to God, I trust myself into your mercy. God will show up. Because his throne is a throne of grace and mercy. Why? There is the son of God, the high priest, who is there with his blood. Plead the mercy for you. Forgiveness for you, mercy for you. And the Holy Spirit said, his mercy will never depart from us. It's assured, it's guaranteed. So he plead the blood. Blood of mercy. The blood that speaks for me, devil into the eye, is talking for me. You're accusing me, but the blood is speaking for me. You're accusing me, but the blood is speaking for me. So when you know what you are pleading, you cannot plead with faith and expectation that it works just like Moses. Or somebody say, you know, pastor, it doesn't work for me. <laughs> of course it won't work for you. Because even the way you are saying it shows it won't work for you. You never expected it to, to work. Did you, did you ever understand the, what the blood did for you? When you are pleading the blood, you know really what you are pleading. How can you have faith in ignorance? Is it not you know what you are pleading, but we help you to know what you expect? Have you had a revelation of the power of the blood? Or you just sing it in church? Do you believe in the power of the blood that washed you clean, that redeemed you, that set you free? If you believe you can vehemently stand before the devil and say, I plead the blood of Jesus against you, you are trespassing. I draw the bloodline around this place, you can't cross it. But when you use it as ritual, because others are saying, out of fear. <laughs> fear for you start. Others is what we say. Why do you say, I don't know? <laughs> Make what they say now. That's what they, they say. It doesn't work like that. By faith, Moses applied it. By faith, it works. Now let's take the second one. The word of our testimony. Obviously, we have no other testimony except the word of God. Joshua 1.8. This book of the Lord shall not depart from your mouth. See? Shall not depart from your mouth. So the word of our testimony is the word of God that God has put in our mouth. And then look at this translation, TPT. I, I, I believe it is accurate because it's saying exactly what I'm saying. Revelation 12.11. TPT says, They conquered them completely through the blood of the Lamb, and the powerful word of his God's testimony. They triumphed because they did not love their and cling to their own life, even when faced with death. So the testimony that Christ gave, the testimony of the Holy Spirit, is the testimony you give to overcome the enemy. Remember Mark eleven twenty three says, For assuredly I say to you, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be moved, removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believe that those things he says will come to pass. He will have whatsoever he says. You will have whatsoever you are saying. 
Whatever testimony you are giving is going to be your, your experience. Brethren, whatever testimony you are giving, if you are giving the testimony of what the devil is doing, that will be your experience. Everywhere you go, you'll be talking about what's happening to you. You come to church, I believe, I believe, I believe. But you look at it, ah, this is happening to me. Brethren, pray for me, this is happening to me. Brethren, pray for me, this is happening to me. Send him prayer, pray for me, this is happening to me. That's, that's your testimony, it will be happening to you. Until you learn that you have to believe before you see and confess it's no more happening. It's no more happening. You say, why are you saying so? Because the word of God says so. The, Jesus says, more blessed to, to believe before you see. You can't get it work with the faith of Thomas. Unless I see, I will stop putting prayer requests. You should stop and say, it's no more. That's not my portion. This is what the Bible says. And you stay where you are. What you say is what you're going to have. And two can work together, except they agree. The Holy Spirit can work with you when he said one thing in the Bible, and you go out saying another thing. You come one thing and say, I'm saved. You go another bar and repeat this salvation. You, you, you deny salvation. Jesus said, I did this for you. God said, I said, didn't do it for you. Look at my strength. See if I will. Faith speaks the word of God. And faith is your victory. Faith is your victory. But it speaks the word of God. 2 Corinthians 4, 13. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak according to what is written. What are you speaking? Is it according to what is written or according to your own experience, what you are feeling, what's happening to you? The testimony you are giving, is it what you see or the testimony of what God said, even though you don't see that? And you cannot waver in your testimony or you lose the battle. Brethren, you know, sometimes we do things we think we are we're deceiving anybody. I don't know why we do that. Come and say, I've been healed. In the night, you are, you are, you are joining a matter of prayer group, giving prayer, this prayer for me here, calling the prayer for me here. And then the morning, say, hey, but you know, I have faith. You don't have nothing. If you are healed, why are you giving all that prayer topic? Why are you giving it up? You should be rejoicing. But you want to see before you believe that's not faith in the word of God. Because faith is about the things you don't see, but you believe they are. James 1, 6. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. If you, if you waver, today you say this, tomorrow you say that, you get nothing from the Lord. Verse 7. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is stable in all his ways. So this is, what the Holy, this is what the Holy Spirit told us in Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. When you believe the word of God, hold fast to it, come rain, come sunshine, do not step away from it. Don't fall for the deceit of the devil. Telling you, don't you see what you are feeling here? Don't you see this is getting worse? It doesn't work that way, brother. When you have, I had, I was hemorrhaging internally not too long ago. 
I was bleeding badly. I mean, lumps of blood. You, you know what it is if you're in the medical profession. I stood my ground, took out the word. I said, devil, a liar. The punishment of my sin has been put on Christ. I began to stand on Isaiah 53. Surely, he has carried my sicknesses and borne my pains. I stood firm on that scripture. Morning, afternoon, night. Yes, we did esteem him that he was plagued, smitten of God, and afflicted. Yet, he was pierced for my transgression. He was bruised for my iniquity. The chastisement of my sin on him. And by his bruise, healing has been granted to me. I tell you now, this is not in my head like that. Healing has been granted to me. All will I save, I've gone astray. All I've gone to every man to his own way. But the punishment of our sin was on him. I stood there. Morning, afternoon, night. That was my testimony. And the whole thing disappeared. Everything, the way it came, it disappeared. Why? God will never lie. It's impossible for God to lie. One morning, the Lord took me to Hebrews. He said, read my word. It's a word of promise and oath. I swore to you that this word is true. I said, yes, Lord, that's what you did. So I gave you my oath to assure you that this promise I gave you that I fulfilled in class is true, no matter what the enemy is doing. I said, yeah, Lord, thank you. You don't know how many times I wouldn't even know whether I would survive coming to teach Bible studies, especially when we did Living World Conference. I don't even know whether I would survive. The enemy will attack me left, right, and center. But I will take the word and confess it, testify. The word of God is yea and amen. And I will come here and stand and preach the thing. And after when I finish, I go down and I say, yeah. <laughs> I'm sharing my life so you know it's true. So you know it's true. Absolutely true. Acts 27, Hebrews 3, 6. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. If you hold fast to the end, the confidence you have. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith. Without wavering. If you waver, you lose the battle. Acts 27, 25. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. I had a story from a young girl in Nigeria, a qualified professional, how she was struggling with immoral tendencies for a long time. Gave his life to Christ and was called, oh, he will fall for it. All manner of immoral things perverse sex with women and men. He would cry and say, Lord, I thought you saved me. Oh, Lord, I thought you saved me. The thing continued until one day 
She called her siblings and said, let me testify to you people what Jesus did in my life. She began to tell them that Jesus had delivered her from power of sin. <laughs> Start testifying. She said from that day, they didn't stop. Because that when she started believing what Jesus did. But before she was, I thought you delivered. She, was, she wasn't, she was doubting whether Jesus delivered her. She was doubting salvation. She was doubting it all. I thought he delivered me. Why? Because of what she was seeing. But the day she said, okay, she, he did. Lord, you did. You delivered me. I began to share with siblings. Instantly that thing stopped. The testimony of his mouth agreed with the testimony of God and victory came. Stop. You believe before you see. The thing stopped. She said, oh, I fasted, I did this, I did that, and I did that. But I started to give that testimony. That he has set me free from this. Jesus is not a liar. What he said he did is what he did for me. He said the thing, stopped. The thing just stopped. Take heart, brethren. For I believe God that it will be just as it was told us. Let us pray. Father, I just want to thank you for your showing us how you fight our battles. How you deal with these things. If we don't speak your word, you have nothing to work on. If we speak the word of the enemy, you can't work on it. But when we speak your word and become in agreement with you, then you perform that word in our mouth. Thank you for this revelation tonight. I pray that our, our eyes of understanding will be opened so that we see the truth. Know the truth. And that truth will set us free. Thank you, merciful Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.